Hi everyone, it's Green and I am back with another episode of our crypto deep diving show. The show where we talk to regular people and others embedded in the sphere that we so love, crypto. Today, we catch up with my coworker Carson, who gives us the scoop of what it was like working on our latest index token, Pico. Welcome to the 19th episode of the Inside Crypto Podcast. This episode was recorded on November 10th, 2021. So, Pico launched, and we at Amun are quite pleased with the results. But what happened behind the scenes? What was it like to work on the project? What did he learn from the process? And listen to where he says index products are going in the future. Lastly, we talk about the latest news, including Bitcoin and Ethereum doing really well, the metaverse, yes, I had to go there, and we ended up the show talking about Polygon and its latest developments. Thanks everyone for listening and don't forget to tune in next week where we interview someone else in the crypto universe and get their insights into the fascinating world of crypto. Hi Carson, thanks so much for being here today. It's wonderful to have you here actually. Before we get started into talking about Pico and anything else for that matter, do you want to talk a little bit about yourself and how you got into crypto, how you started working at the moon and your background? Sure. First off, thanks Grant for having me. Always great chatting with you. So I'm happy to be joining the pod. But yeah, so I guess my background, I really got into crypto, like 2017, classic. I was in college with my roommates, my one roommate bought Ethereum. I was actually talking to one of our coworkers, James, today about this, where I remember like my roommates bought Ethereum at like 14 bucks and they sold it at 40 bucks and we were all freaking out and oh man, three X. And then I think when it, then when it got up to like 200 bucks, we were all like, Maybe we all need to pay attention to it. So that was when I really got into crypto. And then throughout uh, college, just me and my friends talked crypto a lot, but also having a slight technology background, you know, had a few software engineering internships, double majored in information science, technology, and cybersecurity at Penn State. So like I was interested in technology. So I was definitely looking at how this was working and was really interested in the functionality of Ethereum and what it enabled, but also trading. And then throughout that was involved and then DeFi winter hit and, or not DeFi winter, crypto winter hit, so thinking about DeFi, but, and stopped paying attention, held on to all my stuff from that time, but then graduated and went and worked for Ernst & Young as a technology consultant, tried to get to the crypto group. However, they didn't have a ton going on. So I just ended up working in like data science. And then a year ago, I really started checking my stuff and getting more into it. My best friend went and worked for a, what started working for a crypto company who's actually not my roommate. So then we started like really chatting again. And, and then throughout this run, I've been very locked in on DeFi and everything going on in crypto. And then after about two years, I was just scanning the scene, looking at job openings in the crypto space and came across a moon, thought it was a great opportunity, interviewed, was able to come aboard. And since mid-August, I've been working as a product manager on our tokens. Now product managing our tokens platform, but I've been involved across the entire tokens process. It's been a great experience. So yeah, that's kind of my story. Okay. So, so some follow-up questions to what you've just said. From going from information technology, cybersecurity to product management, is that a leap? Because as you said, because I, I know as well, and maybe some of our listeners don't know, like you, you do a lot of different stuff. And when I'm on meetings and I'm listening, and then 
our boss Jameson says, hey, Carson, did you blah, blah, blah? And Carson, did you blah, blah, blah? And sometimes the two questions are like the opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. So for me, that was basically like, I was like, I'm a big math kid in a family of like finance people. My mom was a math major, but my dad has worked in financial services. My brother was a finance major. My younger sister was a finance major. So business was always the talk of the house. But then in high school, I started programming, took a few computer science classes and fell in love with programming. And I think when I got into college, I did like the classic thing where I was like, all right, like I want to keep on working with technology, but I don't want to be like stuck behind the keyboard. So I'm going to find a major that kind of balances the two. And that was how I ended up in at Penn State, which is the College of IST, Information Science and Technology. And so that was my route of staying involved in like programming, but as well as like on the business side. And then that was what also sparked my interest in product management. Cause obviously we were really close with our engineers who are super, super talented. I love being able to have those com- like techie conversations with them and hold my own, but then also be involved with the other at like the business development aspects of what we're working on or just the random stuff I have to do throughout the day. So it's like a good balance. And that was how I ended for people. Cause we do have, I get to see a lot of the demographics for the podcast. So we do have a fair number of people like in their early twenties or somebody, people in their early twenties getting out of college or finishing college to get into product management. Mm-hmm. Would you suggest going your route of programming information science, or is there a better route? Do you wish you had done something differently while you were doing your education to get into product management? Maybe I would have focused more on like computer science, but I think in general, like just in the crypto industry as a whole, and I think this goes for a lot of like technology, technology industries these days is people are disregarding on the standard educational routes. It's a requirement. And there's a lot of opportunities for young people to get involved in the industry and demonstrate that that knowledge. And that's a great route to just like getting interviews and, and landing a job in crypto. I think really there's so many growing projects going on right now and like new ones sparking up every single day that really people are just like, there's such an opportunity for just good talent that people are really looking for anyone who can just demonstrate an understanding of the industry. So I think getting involved in communities, I know for me, a great one is Gitcoin. If you're familiar with Gitcoin, it's like they post hackathons and bounties for people contributing to open source projects and you can get reward and tokens, but those are great ways to participate in the industry, but then also build a resume, do some networking. And then later when you're applying for jobs, be able to just like demonstrate that what you're talking about and really like at the end of the day, that's all that, uh, people really care about. Oh, that's a really great suggestion. I'll, I'll put that down in the links when I do the show notes for today's show. Last question. It's more of a programming question. I know you mentioned this uh, on Slack at some point, you'd like to learn solidity. People getting into programming and crypto right now. Is Solidity the way to go or Rust for Solana? Which one would you suggest just off the top of here? I think it depends on how, what programming background you have. If you're a really strong developer and you're looking to, and you're like pretty confident, you can learn any language. 
Rust might be really good right now just because Solana is really growing and there's a major talent gap with Rust as a language, but that's also because it's really tough to learn and Solana just doesn't really have the developer community behind it that Ethereum has. So if you're like a beginner programmer, I think Solidity is definitely the route to go just because there's so much documentation. There's years of people writing medium posts explaining how to do this and that it makes it like really accessible for new people trying to get into the space. I know Austin Griffith is a guy, if you check his stuff out, it's called scaffold-eth. He basically has this like kind of starter project of like what would you would need to run an Ethereum project on your local machine. And it's a great place to start if you're trying to do some solidity development and he has some walkthroughs and just like stuff like that just doesn't really exist in Solana right now. It's really reserved for the people that really know Rust, really know how Solana works because it's not a direct transfer of knowledge. It's not like a Solidity developer can learn Rust and become build, begin building on Solana. Like it's a little different. So I think it just depends on your comfort as a programmer. If you're really strong, maybe go the Rust route. But if you're a beginner programmer, definitely do Solidity. There's so many resources and there's still so many opportunities for developers. Fantastic. Okay. But with that being said, let's move on to today's topic, which is when you joined us, I remember uh, at one of the meetings, James was like, oh, Carson volunteered to, you know, take the helm of Pico. Wow. <laughs> this dude is amazing because he just joined the company. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in charge of this first product launch after DFI DMX or the next big thing and stuff. For a lot of our listeners would know what Pico is because I've done like three videos on Pico already. But just for those who don't know, do you want to tell us what Pico is? Sure. It's our Polygon ecosystem index. So it's pretty similar to DFI token, which is just like the tokens in a certain ecosystem, but for Polygon specifically. So it is 50% Matic or Polygon, interchangeable names there. So it, it's basically an alternative to holding Matic so that you can still grow with the Polygon ecosystem. Obviously Polygon has like been getting a ton of attention recently. So it is the top five tokens that we identified based on market cap and available liquidity, but it has to be Polygon native token. Given that Polygon is EVM compatible, Ethereum virtual machine, it's really easy for products like Aave or Sushi to just port their product over to Polygon. But we, with this token, we really wanted to keep exposure to products that are like building on Polygon for Polygon. So that's one of our requirements is that this has to be like launched on Polygon natively. And then on top of that, something that we have is that it's pretty cool. It's our one click bridge. So this allows our Pico to be minted on Polygon. So you still have a token that is based on the underlyings. So it's not based on thin air. This is something that has underlyings that you can burn the tokens for, but it allows you to bridge that over and then have the token on Ethereum. Because obviously Ethereum is where most of the people in crypto are right now and bridging, everyone says it's straightforward. And although the process is straightforward, it's like very nerve wracking and kind of weird for people who might not be comfortable with the concept, bridging their tokens for Ethereum to Polygon. So we wanted, instead of trying to bring users onto Polygon to buy our token, free the token to them where most of the users are. And that's on Ethereum. Yep. It's a really cool piece of technology and it's it's been great. So okay. that is the short of it. <laughs> Pretty short. All right. So I was talking again, talking about this yesterday on another meeting. I feel like when we launched Pico, a lot of our 
that users were confused. They were like, oh my God, is this some kind of project where there's a utility behind it, like Solana, like Ethereum or Avalanche or, or whatever. I think still a fair number of users usually ask me like, oh, when is the token expected to do this? Or when is the token expected to do this? What is the roadmap? And again, I, I want to mention this because even though I already do a bit about this, whatever you say, whatever I say is not financial advice. We're not telling you to buy anything or do anything, do your own research. So for people, what I wanted to ask you anyway is, uh, who do you think index tokens are for, or what do you think Pico is for, or why should people be doing their own research to decide whether or not to get into this index token? Yeah. So index tokens are for people looking for kind of exposure to an industry, but not necessarily wanting to keep up to date every single day on like what is going on in the industry. I think that's one of the hardest parts of participating in, in crypto, especially as a newcomer is like the overwhelming amount of information and the just like a wild number of tokens and just like understanding what an ecosystem is in general and like a chain and Ethereum versus Polygon versus Solana, which like, like all of that is so confusing. And for someone who might hear about Polygon as an alternative, a cheaper alternative to Ethereum, but not really knowing where to start, Pico is a great product for that because this rebalances on a monthly basis. So making sure that you're always exposed to the top tokens in the ecosystem rebalances as well on a monthly basis in the middle of the month. So it's like making sure that you are getting exposure to those top tokens without you needing to pay attention to that and like keep up to date with all that information. But it also is still a great way to learn and pay attention to. I think any newcomer who is looking to understand the Polygon ecosystem I think a great place to look is our Pico token and look at the constituents and look into all of those projects because all of those projects individually are some of the like biggest draws of attention to Polygon and what are really getting people to migrate from Ethereum to Polygon. So I think for like people coming in, that's a great place to learn, but then also it's a great token hold so you can like keep that exposure to the new things. I know we also have plans of expanding it right now. It's 50% Matic and the other 50% is allocated across our five other tokens, but eventually as Polygon grows and there's more and more tokens that meet our inclusion criteria, eventually we do want to reduce that from 50% to 33% Matic. And at that point, like getting broader exposure to the ecosystem, just right now Matic is really driving. So. I know I went a bunch of places there, but essentially like the target Pico holder is someone on Polygon who doesn't want to be just like keeping up to date on all the hottest projects or someone on Ethereum who doesn't want to bridge their tokens over, but still wants exposure to Polygon because we're going to be managing that on the back end. You'll still be able to get all the benefits of the rebalancing without even taking your funds off of Ethereum. That's, and that's awesome. Like you mentioned, your family is finance and my older brother has been working in banking for forever and he got into crypto a little bit earlier this year. And then he just, I think when the market took its dip in May, he was like, oh my God, and sold everything and kept Bitcoin. Mm. And then I helped him buy a little bit of Pico when we first launched because he was like, oh, how do I do this? And he was happy because he's like, this is, is awesome. It's not extremely volatile like Bitcoin is or other stuff has been. When you joined us in August, what was it like working on this product and how is it different from other products you have worked on in the past? And 
What was like, what was the Pico experience behind the scenes? Yeah. As you had mentioned, I jumped in at the opportunity to, to lead that. And I really had no idea what I was getting myself uh, into when I agreed to that. And honestly, it was like a pretty wild ride. Obviously we have DFI and DMX as basket tokens or index tokens on Ethereum. And since Polygon is EVM compatible, the kind of index aspect of it is technology that we really had already and were able to port over pretty easily. But this, the one-click bridge flow was just such a beast to address, especially make it automatic so that you on Ethereum would be able to send funds across. We would be able to receive that on the other end and send it back. It's like, there's a lot going on there and it's a really long process. So I think for us, like the biggest struggle was how to communicate to the user through the UI, what is going on, because the people just want to send their transaction and have the thing return. And unfortunately, given the, like, the constraints of bridging technology, even though Polygon's POS bridge, I think is like one of the best in terms of is like not a, a UI that people are, are comfortable with or used to. So I think that was the wildest part of like how to nail down this flow for a user on our webpage, who is minting our token because you can mint our token directly, or you can swap for it on exchanges. Um, so I think that was really the wildest process because I popped in, in the middle of this, as it was developed and we were working out this bridging technology and we didn't really have this flow specked out. And eventually we ended up landing on a pending transaction view that gave people every step along the way, just because like. It's very confusing. And especially when bridging back from Polygon to Ethereum, that takes about two hours. And if that's not being communicated to the user that this is not broke, people are going to get really confused when things are taking two hours and they don't have their token. So on top of that, just so many other things, obviously this is like a financial product. So like security is the most concern and just like reviewing everything and making sure that funds are safe. Yeah, it was a wild ride, but I'm happy to have it delivered. We were able to have a nice pre-sale process, got a lot of participants through that. And then people have been buying and selling Pico ever since. Following on from that, now you've got your first product under your belt, so to speak. Moving on to the second or the third and whatever else is coming down the line. What lessons have you learned? What do you want to do differently moving on to the next product? Or is there anything different to you that you'd want to do? Yeah, definitely. I think we definitely want to probably slow down future development cycles. I think we got uh, a little ahead of ourselves in terms of like announcing things. And when we had the pre-sale going and as we were do like wrapping up our development. So like reviewing our development cycle and making sure that we were releasing at the right time. I think everything ended up working out pretty well for Pico, but I think going back in hindsight for future products and obviously as we have this experience under our belt. There's just like a lot of things we didn't foresee in the development process and the QA process that we know to look out for now that will just make every future release so much better. A specific example I will say with that we did not necessarily focus on was our mobile experience. Obviously we're all in an office working together on our laptops, testing this flow. And then we get to launch and obviously you're in our telegram and our discord at launch, some of us on the product and engineering team were also in there helping people out. And like, I would, I would say it was like, I don't know if anyone's a fan of the show, Silicon Valley, but in Silicon Valley in like the final episode of the first season, the spoilers, he has this like compression engine and he's always saying, I don't know if it works for 3d video. And then the guy is on stage and says, oh, I have this 3d video file. And he's, oh, no way. 
I haven't tested this. And, and I had this guy in Telegram reach out. He's like, Hey, can you help me? I'm trying to buy on Vogel. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> like, Oh no, <laughs> like this is not a strong suit. So that definitely something going forward is to like definitely focus it on our, uh, mobile experience, which is something we're already working on right now. So oh, very cool. Yeah. I would definitely say a lot of stuff at least here, people really use sit down at desktops or laptops or even tablets and do stuff. Uh, people are doing stuff on their phones here, out here in Asia for everything, banking, finance, crypto stuff, our local exchange. So that's definitely a cool way to go for it. We've talked about this internally, but just your personal opinion. What do you think is the future for index products? Is it just helping people, regular people like myself, maybe some of our family members say, hey, you don't want to buy Bitcoin directly or keep up to date with X coin or X protocol, buy this index and you've got exposure. Is it just that or, or do you see something else as the future? I definitely see something else as the future. I know. I think Pico and DFI are pretty simple index tokens to understand in terms of it's just the top product. But something like our DMX token, which is our momentum index, is like a really interesting product that I can see having a lot of growth down the line. For those who aren't super familiar, our DMX token, instead of basing as top tokens based off of market cap or available liquidity, it's based off of seven day RSI average, which is something that our analyst Roland put together. So I don't know if you've had Roland on, but he's like a you know, super smart quant guy. And he was able to put together this code that was able to analyze a, this seven day RSI average. So it's a RSI, which is a relative strength index. So that's how we calculate momentum of these tokens. And so like for me, I know, and that rebalances daily. So you're always getting exposure to like the tokens with the best momentum over the last seven days. And that token has been doing really well. And it's been like really cool to pay attention to just every time it rebalances, like I'm glued to the rebalance just cause it's so exciting. <laughs> I think tokens like that are a like major opportunity for growth in the index area. But then also I think like you had mentioned, like with your brother who was like dabbling into crypto and bought this cause it was a great way to like, get exposure without being like paying attention to everything. I think index tokens are a great route for education and like taking people we like right now, we're just buying tokens for them, but right now we would love to add utility for our tokens, but really based off of the utility of the underlying tokens. And that's just another step forward for these new users who are wading into the deep pool of crypto to say, okay, you can hold this token, but now if you like stake the token or something, this is generating yield and like explaining all these things. I think they are a great vessel for education and that's the route I would like our tokens to go with. But yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff as well as other ecosystem tokens, just like we have our Polygon ecosystem tokens, growing the suite of ecosystem tokens, um, and just really giving new users the ability to like gain exposure to entire chains at one time and learn about crypto and learn about the big project. Well, I, I totally agree. And, and you mentioned a really good point because I know big exchanges they do this, like, like they offer utility for stuff that maybe inherently doesn't have any utility because they're big enough and, and they do that. And I know that that's why people like using, especially here, we have Coinbase here, but 
they don't have the right agreements with the Taiwanese government. So a lot of people here use Binance. And so Binance offers tons of different opportunities for ways you can use your coins and stuff. And, and just because they're Binance. And I think that would be fantastic for us to do. All right, Carson. So now you are going to be in the hot seats. I'll go over it a little bit and then you can give me your take. And whatever your take is, you know, don't hold back. Whatever you want to say is totally cool. So, of course, the first story would have to be today's news is a little bit different, but when this was aired, well, maybe it's still accurate. It's Bitcoin Ether scale new peaks as flows pour into crypto by Tom Westbrook. This is from Why Do You Think the Market Has Been Green Yesterday? And it's still technically doing really, really well. Besides, people say October, however you say that, and pump November. Again, not financial advice. What do you think is happening? How do you feel about the market? Wherever you want to go. Yeah. I mean, I think just overall, I think this is like really great to see. I know, as you had said, your brother buying back in, in May when there was a big dip and everyone was like, oh my God, here comes 2017 all over again. And now to recover and not just recover, but to break into all-time highs again is really showing that this is a very resilient time in the ecosystem that like really hasn't been seen before. And makes you really feel like this is different. In terms of what is causing the growth, I can't give you like very specific examples, but I think there's plenty of different things in terms of one, crypto is in the news more than ever before. And it's not in the news, like people talking about how it's like a joke and a Ponzi scheme and like a place where you put money for it to vanish or to finance like drug dealers. Like <laughs> it's actually getting legitimate attention in the news and has been for a long time. So I think that it's like really huge for the industry and like making a lot of people feel much more comfortable putting money into crypto. I think also like the grow growth of random tokens, obviously Shiba token has been blowing up recently and that's like a bit of a, a meme token, but it's also something that grabs people's eyes, gets them in. And then as that grows, people are roaching those funds out of those more volatile meme tokens, even though I know there's some people who would say that Shibito has some further functionality and rotating that into Ethereum or, or Bitcoin. On top of that, there's like a bunch of other things. I think obviously regulated products are become popping up more and more across the globe. Obviously the other side of our business, 21 shares, which does make ETPs in Europe is involved in that business. And that's just another thing, bringing new users into the industry. So in terms of right now, what is causing this all-time high, I can't give you a specific example, but just like throughout the year in terms of just the sentiment and like telling people you were getting into crypto in 2017 versus telling people you work in crypto in 2021, it's just so different. In 2017, it was like, oh, you're a drug dealer and 2021 is, oh, okay, cool. What should I buy? That seems to be the conversation now. So I think it's just like an overall understanding change across people who aren't in crypto and maybe aren't even in technology in general, as well as, yeah, publicized growth and just getting a lot of attention. I'm very curious about this because over here, we'd probably see something make, depending on what news channel you were watching, probably would get like a mention every two weeks or so in the States on like CNBC, MSNBC, ABC. You guys got tons of news channels, not mentioning your local stuff compared to, like you said, when you were in college to now, what is the difference in terms of crypto exposure that you said? Getting a lot of attention, not from the sense of here's like a random dude who made a ton of money, but like 
more from the sense of, and, and that's still is it, but like more talk about interesting things going on. I think even Solana as, as which has been getting, getting a lot of attention recently has been really great overall, because I think people see that and they hear like, basically people read that Solana is blowing up as an Ethereum killer and, but can just see that and think, okay, clearly like there's still competition and things are still hot in this industry. Also, I think it's just really accessible for people to learn right now. I know um, talking to some people in our office who aren't really into crypto, they're, as we did launch Pico, starting on Polygon instead of Ethereum, because it's like cheaper and you can move funds around. So I think like the, the conversations are educational and like respectable. And also the industry, even though people think like Ethereum gas prices are so high, how are you ever going to do anything? Like the alternatives like Solana and Polygon actually are a great almost sandbox for new users to play around and not burning all their money away in gas. So that I think that's one thing also really like on, on CNBC or just like any other news channel, like SBF, Sam Bankman freed of FTX going on and. He goes on the news a lot and obviously he's trying to promote his own brand, and, but he's also talking about crypto again in a respectful way. He gets all this coverage for being very rich, but it's never like he just bought Bitcoin and held it and look at him. He's so rich. So the financial industry is looking at this saying, oh, this is legit. People are looking at him saying, okay, this guy is like actually making thoughtful decisions that are working out. And even FTX is now on the referees and the MOB and they have the Miami Heat Stadium and my favorite basketball team, Philadelphia 76ers, their jersey sponsor is now crypto.com. So the companies are now growing. Obviously Coinbase going public, like people are paying attention to these things and it's just becoming like common to see. It, it's not like they're sponsoring some drug lord. They're sponsoring a company or Steam. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like people up there with the likes of Harley Davidson and stuff up. I don't know what the other NBA sponsors are, but anyway, yeah, it's just like, just seen as such a more legit industry now, I think, than it used to. I'm going to say, this has been my favorite segment so far. I love Pico, but your take on the market so far, hey, it's the news especially, it's really interesting. All right, moving on to story two. Uh, crypto is the key to the metaverse. This has been like starting to get a little bit overblown and for as far as the news goes as for me anyway because it's always on my google news feed when i wake up in the morning what's your take on crypto the metaverse do you have a take on yeah i love it mainly from i like gaming and and like my, one of my favorite things to read throughout the day even though i love looking into you know DeFi and other cool projects coming up there but like really what i what i love reading about the most is new crypto games coming up just because like I enjoy playing video games sometimes. Obviously I don't have a ton of time to do it right now, but I really enjoy seeing what's coming out. And I just think it's like a, a industry other than finance, which is like DeFi. It's really just revolutionizing finance, but like finance is like a sexy thing to not care about. <laughs> but gaming is something that like so many people think is fun and it's the next industry to be shaken up. And that's the lens I normally look at the metaverse through is gaming because it is really giving people ownership, but it's also allowing them, it's not allowing the game to own. People have said this so many times before, but to not own your, your creations. And like, I was thinking about this, I watched some 
random YouTube video about Little Big Planet, which is a game that I never even played, but it was like a creator game where people can like make different worlds, but then eventually they had to shut their servers down because it got too expensive and I think they got hacked. And so all these creations people had worked on got wiped out because it was all centralized on these servers. And I think like I was thinking about this today while I was walking home from work about, well, basically like with gaming and the metaverse, like people's creations are owned by them and the game or the platform is just like the enabler of people to use those. But if that goes down and people still hold these and they're still strong, passionate community, like they can still like live on. It's almost like a Phoenix in the flames. Like people can build the metaverse around them to fit the asset that they hold and can actually have an impact on how they are used and how they perform in the world or in their version of the world. So I think that's the coolest part. Also, I really like the book Ready Player One. And obviously I like think about that every time people are talking about the metaverse and just putting on some glasses and zooming into some games. So okay. cool. And Facebook changed the name. I think that's, that's, that's obviously <laughs> why it's uh, getting a ton of attention. So. All right. Cause I had Jack on as well. And he likes games. So I've got to ask you, and we talked a little bit about what he liked. So the metaverse and NFTs and owning, you know, your game, a game that you have played or would like to play, and you'd like some sort of metaverse NFT integration. What would you like to have NFTs? What would I like? Oh, like some sort of ownership components. Like you mentioned GTA the other day on Slack. Yeah. No, honestly, GTA, like GTA is such. I think we were talking about that with Star Atlas. Yes. How they're coming out in, in four to five years. I was like, that's like GTA six. Like they've been just riding off of uh, GTA five for forever. And they're just like, it's coming eventually. But I guess what it takes to do a game, honestly, I'd say something like Rocket League or something where people like, mainly cause I, I like playing Rocket League, but it's like something where people really like, it's simple, but you can still get some customization and ownership of the year of the pieces of your cars. And like, it's not too complicated. It's like this wild economic system. It's just a simple display of kind of what you own and the pieces that you have. And I think that would be a really accessible route for people to be, for that to be NFT versus some complex like world of Warcraft where I don't know, sometimes I see some of these like games and then you're on open sea and you go into the collections and you can see stuff for the game and like i'm thinking about it like in the games marketplace itself i'm sure it makes sense but when you're just looking at open sea and it's just like random pair of pants random glasses yes. a hot dog it's like this makes no sense to me at all but if if i'm picturing a game like rocket league where if that was if those assets were on open sea and it was like car wheel paint like that would just make complete sense to me and then make me want to look into it. So, and I'm also just like very excited for the next iteration of crypto gaming, because I think we had the first wave obviously with Axie Infinity leading the way, but now it's really gotten the attention of like big studios. And I think that the next wave is going to be really good games, really strong, like tokenomics, really good play to act, play to earn mechanics. And it's going to change the world. Oh no, I, I, I totally agree. Like I'm a gamer as well, so I, I can't wait for, I love collectible card games and I put like blizzards, hearthstone, I put just $50 in for every expansion for the last five years and there's four expansions a year. So I've got hundreds of cards and I know one day I'm going to cry when they shut down the game and all my hundreds of cards are just gone. So I, I can't wait for that. 
I, I'm totally with you on the same boat. All right, moving on to the last story. So, of course, Pico, we're going to talk about Polygon. Polygon partners, Alchemy paid to deploy fiat on ramps. That's really cool. Taking your hard earned cash and be able to automatically get into Polygon that way. I think it's great. Especially with the launch of Pico and talking and being in our, our Telegram and Discord and like people wanting to buy the tokens. Obviously, James has a huge following. So, like people are buying it, buying this just because of him. And if you don't have crypto or you only have crypto on some centralized exchange, like explaining, okay, you have to like download MetaMask or whatever wallet and then send it over there. And then if it's on Ethereum, now you have to bridge it to Polygon. And I think the bridging to Polygon is probably the biggest fence for them from getting people into the ecosystem. So just adding better fiat on ramps directly into crypto, I think will be a huge benefit for people it will just like help people i it might be confusing but i think it will also help people learn about actual like crypto and operating web3 projects because i think people get onto a centralized exchange and think they're participating in crypto which they definitely are but then when they take it off the exchange they're like wait a second what is all this i thought this was like basically an asset that i buy on exchange and it goes up or it goes down and they don't really understand really like the intricacies, intricacies of like moving things around and what, so I think by skipping the centralized exchange entirely and just having a fiat on ramp, it just forces people to say, okay, basically like you're here, um, now like go have fun. And this was what I was talking about earlier, where I know a lot of people getting into crypto right now and they want to throw 50 bucks in to just like figure out what's going on. They're going to Polygon instead of Ethereum because you can't do anything with 50 bucks on Ethereum. And I think the fiat on ramp onto Polygon is just going to be so good for people wanting to learn, wanting to put $50 in or even $10 in and just like move funds around to understand what's going on and like forcing them to learn exactly what's going on and download a MetaMask and connect to dApps and so I think it's going to be huge for for growth and learning and bringing in a new wave of participants as well as anyone who just wants to buy crypto and not deal with taking it from the bank account putting it on a centralized exchange waiting for that to go through after it goes through sending it off the exchange paying another fee it's just it's just simpler no I, I totally agree as well and I've gone through some of that process before when I started getting to crypto all right Carson I don't want to keep you for too long because this is your off time, you're relaxed. Time you should be playing some Rocket League. For people who are interested in your thoughts, and I think you had a, a wonderful show today, is there a place you feel comfortable letting people follow you, be it Twitter or Instagram or whatever? Yeah. So I don't tweet a ton, but I, I am realizing I probably should. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm Carson M. Brown. My picture is me as a little kid smoking a cigar. So yeah, follow me there. Just follow a moon on Twitter, join our discord, join our telegram. I'm normally pretty active, even though it looks like a moon tweeting. Sometimes I can be, uh, spurring those tweets on the back end, not necessarily posting them, but in those conversations. So if you want to hear what I have to say, follow our channel. I'll try to start tweeting more, but yeah, that's my Twitter. That was good. And, uh, yeah. All right. Very good. Carson, thank you so much. And now I'm like, after talking to you, I'm like really inspired. I got to get you and Jack together so we can do a, just an exclusive crypto gaming episode and you guys at the end guys i can be the old timer gamer uh 
and we can talk about gaming and crypto and what's happening, what's going to happen, what we want to happen. And I think that would be cool at some point in the future. Maybe when you guys are, are less aware, when Amun is less busy, if that ever happens. I, I would love to do it. I would happily join Korean. And thank you for having me. Thanks for making time. I, I really appreciate all you guys out of the New York office because of the crazy time difference using your free time. So it's, it's really cool. All right, Carson, then we will talk to you at some point in the future. Yeah, sounds good. Talk to you soon, Korean. Thank you. That's all we have time for today, folks. I'm everyone at Amun. Really appreciate you stopping by. Please don't forget to follow us on social media, Twitter at Amun, A-M-U-N, Telegram at Amun Tokens, or stop by our Discord and join in the conversation. If you are Chinese speaking, we now have a Telegram group just for you, Amun Tokens CN. We are also on Reddit at r slash Amun Tokens. Amun also puts out a monthly newsletter with the latest insights on the crypto market. You can sign up for that wonderful piece of writing on the bottom of our homepage. If you're looking for a place to call home, there's not Nothing better than the Amun community. Looking forward to chatting with you and see you guys next time.